This is Dan Hess, and you are listening to Pixelated Audio, and today we're doing Pilot Wing 64. Welcome to Pixelated Audio, a podcast focusing on game audio, its history, and the people behind it. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, the musician Dan Hess, the composer behind Piloween 64 on the N64. Say hello, Dan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having <laughs> me, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We've already been bantering for like 15 minutes, but we're also <laughs> yeah. joined by another friend of ours, Ian Cowell. So Ian was on a show many, many moons ago at MagWest 2 talking about some of his favorite music. He's a, a VGM guitarist, musician. He has his own band, and he writes music in a very laid back dad rock style. <laughs> dad rock right? style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, got, I bring some dad energy to it. I have a couple offspring, so I think it, it <laughs> works its way into my uh, <laughs> modality, even though I've been doing it since before they existed. But yes, that's a, that's a good one, Gene. Thank you. <laughs> I, I wrote oh, yeah. Pat Metheny and Weird Al, so if you listen to his music, you'll get yeah. that vibe, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that was Gene's notes to me. So my first solo show, and he's like, listen, man, we gotta, you got to be Pat Metheny meets Weird Al. Something. <laughs> You gotta read what he wrote about himself on his webpage. How he describes himself. Have you seen that, you guys? I have. Yeah. The uh, midi sexual amalgam of every guilty pleasure you've ever had. <laughs> That's just the best line, man. Thanks, Dan. Anyway, so we're, we're we've we've had uh, we've been we've been wanting to do a, a focus on this game for a long time. We've had a lot of requests from listeners, wow. and so it's it's so fun and. Interesting, because this all happened like within like the last few days. <laughs> we're, just, we're like, hey, yeah. uh, why don't we just do an episode right now with uh, you know, uh, Ian's got some stuff coming out. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he's in you know contact with Dan. We'd just you know tie things together and, and make it happen. So it's really awesome that we could uh, all get together today. There's four of us. It's going to be a little chaotic, but uh, we've got a lot to go over. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about Pilot Wings 64. Let's do all it. All right. Who wants to give the uh, what is the game? What is Pilot Wing sixty four? Brian, you you got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Pilot Wings uh, is the predecessor to, um, or I'm sorry, the successor to mm -hmm. Pilot Wings on the Super Nintendo. It was a launch title that was released um, with the debut of the console, the N sixty four, co-developed by Nintendo, and um, they worked with a um, a visual technology group called Paradigm Simulation. We'll talk about more. Uh, about them in a, in a minute here, but it was one of three launch titles for the N64 in Japan, as well as Europe. And then um, I think the U.S. only had two launch titles. It was um, Mario 64 and Piloting 64, if I remember yeah. correctly. And uh, we'll get more into the, the company aspect about it, but that's a really big feat for an American company to um, partner with Nintendo on the release of a launch title, um, which historically wasn't really happening in yeah. in the game mm -hmm. uh, industry before so this is a really big um a big deal a big feat it was a big feat just to get to market with it we were the only other company that made it out of 10 that's why <laughs> yeah. you had two launch titles instead of 11 yeah i'm wow. sure yeah. i'm sure so uh again released in 1996 uh i, I think in europe 97 uh but it's a it's a flight simulation and if you played pilot wings any of the other pilot wings games um they're uh like an arcadey simulation uh that you can um you know be in a jet pack or a hang glider <laughs> and uh you know or a, or a biplane and, and you know fly around go through different obstacles and it's just a lot of fun it's really chill and the music is incredible um 
across all the games and Thanks, it's man. it's also really fitting for the style it's very laid back got a lot of nice jazz vibes and so we're gonna have a lot of fun going through today with uh dan and ian awesome you got jazz vibes and dad vibes all the <laughs> <Yeah. buzzer laughs> coming out oh man play us off something dan you got that roads there oh, sure. oh yeah play us a little jam Welcome to Pixelated Audio. <laughs> uh, happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> uh, this is going to be so much fun when it comes out. So yeah. let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Paradigm Entertainment for a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. They're responsible for a few different titles, and actually, they went up pretty long. We were looking last night, uh, Gene and I. Um, it wasn't just Pilot Wings. There was um, Arrow Fighters Assault. A few yeah. other N64 games, uh, F1 World Grand Prix that Dan also did the soundtrack for. Yeah, and the Beetle Beetle Racing. Beetle Venture Racing, which is a huge uh, favorite of James, uh, uh, another host of the show. Oh, and, cool. Um, yeah. Tell my Hold up, Dan. You did Beetle Adventure no, Racing? No, no, I didn't, but our company did. The, the, the company, company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, hey, good on Paradise. It was a fun game. Yeah, good stuff. Good and stuff. And then there was, uh, there was Spy Hunter for... The PS2 era, basically. PS2 yeah. era, yeah. Stuntman Ignition, and then... Stuntman Ignition, that was a great game. Did you guys play that game? I Actually, I did uh, on, on Xbox. It's a lot of fun. Is that the I, one where you're like recreating Hollywood scenes? Like you got to yeah. drive through a flaming building kind of stuff? It's, it's, it's <laughs> Once you start playing it, you can't stop because you watch your scenes. You're like, yeah, that was lame. I, when I come around that corner, I, I need to do something there because <laughs> you, you watch your playback after you've done it, right? Oh, that's just a great game. Yeah, see, I, I was, I think that was like that period where like I had moved like on like the other side of the planet, so like <laughs> yeah. I was just not like following the stuff as much. <laughs> sure, but, um, but yeah, I think uh, Paradigm was doing stuff until about two thousand six. Uh, yeah, two thousand six. They were acquired by a couple of companies and then mergers and acquisitions and stuff. Yeah, it was earlier than that. I think. I think he was out by two thousand. So if they were doing something after that, then they were already acquired by. Basically, what would have been Atari, right? Atari, yeah. Infogrames, yeah. TSQ or Atari or something like that. Well, you're the expert here. Tell us about Paradigm Simulations and then later Entertainment. <laughs> you know, Paradigm Simulation um, really was a supremely innovative company. And I'm really proud of everybody involved. Um, kind of was at my beginning into high tech because um, my best friend and I grew up wanting to build video games. Um, and he was this brilliant... Um, artist and just a brilliant mind in general and then his parents said well you're an artist but you're probably not going to make any money in art but he also had a great technical brain so he, he decided he's going to go into computer art now this is 1982 when he decided this and there really oh, wow. wasn't much of a computer art um scene right it just it was just starting it's and like he, the money for nothing video at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> he ended up getting, uh, finding out that there was only two schools, I think, in the country that even offered a computer graphics degree. One of them was um, Syracuse. So he went to Syracuse, came, came out with this degree. What am I going to do with it? And uh, got, oh, this is a sidetrack. I, I found out later. He, uh, he actually got a job offer right out of school. The small startup in New York, super excited about it. They were going to do like, animation and uh he would have been like employee number six or something like that and th then uh the weekend he was planning i hope i don't mistell this but the weekend he was planning to leave for for the job he'd already had the interview everything was good they said oh we're gonna go a different direction somebody's nephew or whatever he could mm. that little company was pixar 
Oh, wow. <laughs> You've been like employee number six at Pixar. <laughs> but, you know, you don't know those things, uh, what was going to happen. He uh, went down and got a job at a company called Merit and, and outside of Dallas. And they did uh, flight simulators. And back then, and before CGI started to become what it is now, everything was line graphics. Just looked horrible, right? So they're like, can you make our flight simulators look a little more realistic? And that was his job. And he was really good at it. And uh, they got involved in this uh, huge military um, a contract, a bid. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every, anybody who was in the industry did. And it was called CCTT. It basically was giant video games teaching people to fight and tanks and planes. Everything was going to be connected over some kind of network and all these all around the world. So they get into this thing and he calls me. He says, you know, our, our videos looking great, but our audio guys are clueless. They have no idea what they're doing. They are like using mono sound and there's only four sounds. You got to, I, I want you to like get in a teleconference and talk to these guys. I was still a kid though. I had no, I just had the concept that these guys had like white lab coats on and knew more than I did. Right. <laughs> and it took a lot of convincing to get out of a teleconference. But once I did, I'm like, yeah, these guys are, this is not going to work what they want to do and basically after a conversation with them um i I whiteboarded an idea i thought would work and they said well great can you do it for us and no and i don't think so but i ended up saying yes eventually and went down and we built the world's first um real-time controllable 3d sound system basically so you could put as many speakers up as you wanted and your simulation program would give all the details of to the sound system about what it was and how it was moving. And then the sound, our sound system would react and actually play those sounds in real time. Right. And then nothing like that had ever existed. And they lost the contract. They got out of the technology. They didn't think it had a play. It was never going to go anywhere. And so my friend and my two really close friends, um, Wes Hoffman, Mike Engeldinger, and one more Ron Topol left the company, asked me to be a fourth and start paradigm. And then to recreate that sound system and eventually a visual system when all that became the focal point for paradigm simulation. And they did very well, even though um, my wife at the time didn't want to go to Dallas, Texas. So I only did my stuff from afar and I never became a principal of the company. Somebody kicked me in the ass for that one. Um, They did quite well quite well and eventually um through all these different simulations which are really just video games right we're basically building training video games uh we got the offer from nintendo because of our close relationship with sgi do you guys remember who sgi is oh yeah silicon graphics yeah Yeah, they they, they were a big deal around here they were the deal I mean, everybody had a workstation from SGI, if I'm remembering correctly, back in those days. Oh yeah, yeah. You had to if you're gonna if you're in that industry, you couldn't draw things without an SGI that was serious. <laughs> so um, they they had these uh, huge yeah workstations that were like I don't know two hundred fifty thousand dollar things about the size of refrigerators, right? Uh, I think the one was the Skywriter when we were doing um, our startup, with, um, and they knew that they couldn't sell hardware without software. So they found out about Paradigm, that they were doing the startup. They knew who these guys were. And they, they said, fine, we're going to give you workstations. So my buddy in his, in his apartment had like $300,000 with the hardware in a side room. <laughs> and that's where we started Paradigm, you know, uh, doing all the coding on those things. But because of that close relationship, and these guys were always pushing that hardware, they uh, were probably the ones that brought Paradigm up to Nintendo 
because Nintendo went to SGI to say, if we give you this ginormous purchase order, what can you build us that can hit these specs so we can do 3D games, you know, for this price? And they came up to some arrangement. I don't know the details, but I know that it worked and <laughs> they were on their path to make the hardware, you know? Wow. But that's anyways how Paradigm Entertainment came. It was a spinoff of Paradigm Simulation. I'm going to ask you a super deep cut question because oh. I'm a massive nerd here. So I read <laughs> this interview that you did with Nintendo Life and you mentioned that you had worked on the music for Magic Edge. I don't think anybody who wasn't no around the... I know, right? I went to like a is? field trip to this thing when I was Come like... On. Yeah, like nine years old. Are you going to wear your Magic I Edge I don't have the uh, hat, hat anymore. It's in my parents' oh, house. God. I have this like red hat with a black brim that says Magic <laughs> Edge on it. I'm like, it was amazing. You know, oh like my God, the future you did of technology. You're in the little, the little egg, right? The little They put you in the little I pod, know. right? Yeah, yeah. In the warehouse no in Mountain View. And then it was gone like the next year. So like nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't believe you were actually a part of that. That's crazy to me. Yeah. No, I apologize because I wrote all this music for it. Like they had me do all these tunes and they literally realized they had no memory for music. So they played the same thing over and over <laughs> like two bars. So anything you heard, which by the way, the song that was actually the same song, it became, um, what's it? It's, it's, wait, it's a... Uh, uh, da, 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 da. It's um, became hang glider. Yes, oh, nice. Ah. The melody from that became <laughs> hang glider because somebody at Paradigm played these tracks to um, Wadasan, who was the director of um, Pilot Wings, before they met me to say, "Well, he's done some work for us. What has he done? Wow, we don't have a lot of music. Oh, we have this thing from Magic Edge, and he actually liked it. He said, "Can you work that into the game somehow?" And it was kind of guitar-y and drummy, <laughs> right? Well, okay, I'll try. And that's what became you know, the melody made its way into the hang glider theme. Anyways. I'm so glad I asked. That's crazy <laughs> that you even know what Magic Edge I is. Know. I, I looked up articles. They, they were gone by 96. So it's like nobody around here, even my friends, don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it, you were probably in the only place in only the country <laughs> where you could have been a part of that. So crazy. Uh, I swear it's real. Bernstein, yeah, Bernstein right? bears. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is great! I can't uh, wait to tell my buddy. Uh, let's let's go ahead and get into a track before we uh, end up talking for three hours and don't play any music, <laughs> right? Um, do you want to start with the game menu, Gene? Sure, Sound let's good? jump in. All right, let's do it.
All right, that was Game Menu from Pilot Wings 64, composed by Dan Hess. All right, I'm ready to get started. I want to change my sound options. <laughs> I want to make this louder. You I was know, like, make what are you talking stereo. about? I want to make it stereo instead of mono. I think that was an option back in the day. It was on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> you know, somebody said that you could like play all the audio tracks if you just wanted to go there was some way you could just listen to the different tracks. Is that? I didn't know that at the time. Could was you do that in the game? Is there a sound test? Brian. That's what maybe, I mean. Maybe, uh, I, I don't remember seeing one, but maybe there was like, a, like a Game Genie or something you could uh, okay, probably put was, on or something. Yeah. Who knows? Because there were songs I forgot about. Dan, do you ever think about like how many dorm rooms at like Iowa State might have had a sound test going for your staff? <laughs> <laughs> the room's no. all cloudy. <laughs> I did have, I had a couple um, people write to me that they would have their kids get to a certain point in a, in a game and leave it on. Like, can I just get, okay, that's good. You can go to bed now. And they just like leave the music on for Birdman or whatever song they were listening to. Yeah. That, that tripped me out a little bit. That tripped me out. I was not really thinking when, when the game was released that these songs are going to play for hours. I was thinking, oh my God, they're going to listen to these things for the entire time they play the game. It's, it's really so different, man. Uh, Ian, when did you first play... Pilot Wing 64 is like you grew up with it too, right? Yeah, uh, I was not good at it at all. I think that's also why Birdman stuck with me and so many people is that it's a free flying zone. <laughs> Just relax, you know? And uh, I didn't play it in 96. Full transparency here. I didn't get a N64 until 97. They were very hard to find that first year. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you, actually. I didn't get a. I th- all my friends got one, and I I didn't get one. I, I didn't have enough money saved up, and. <laughs> And uh, I was in, like, a freshman in high school or something like that. But Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all my friends had Mario, Pilot Wings, and then a few of the other games that had come out just f- several weeks later or whatever. But, yeah, like, I, you know, I just played at their house all the time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> the cool friends, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was, you know, the N64 is... When you're like eight or nine, no matter what system you get, unless it's probably like a Jaguar, you're pretty stoked on, <laughs> you know? And, uh... I think I first played Pilot Wings in 98. Yeah, because I got it in Christmas. Um, and, dude, yeah, I mean, even then, game music is always something that's stuck around. Obviously, that's why we're here doing this podcast, right? Right. Um, but there's something about that. Like like Dan said, it's uh, it's just got this groove to it. It's uh, Well, actually, Dan, cut this part out, too. You said that in the other podcast. My time is all, uh, as Dan said, in another time zone, (laughs) at another time here, not on this. Um, That's so funny. That was so fun. I met Ian on a podcast with Karen from, Karen, I mean, from Night Ride FM. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like the synthwave world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had a ball just doing what we're doing now, and it just kind of rambled on <laughs> I was just it's a good time I didn't realize I'm like god we bet that for like two hours what are we doing you know yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah uh, we haven't even gotten to a question yet uh exactly I know, right? right oh let's play our second track right now <laughs> <laughs> right Gene help me out here ask me a question I don't know again. what you're what you're going on yeah here. we know <laughs> n64 rules yes okay <laughs> Just, Brian, can you restate that for me, dude? I'm uh, so sorry. No, 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 no. It's all good. I think we um, got most of it. No, I was just, yeah. I, you know, I was, I was just curious. So you said you said you, you got a um, N64 in '97. Yeah. In '98, you you probably started playing Pilot Wings and game audio just in general. 
you know, it's one of those things that has has kind of persisted over time. Um, I think Dan mentioned this before we even started like recording was saying that the audio has outlived the game in many aspects because we're, you know, here we are talking about the music, but I haven't actually played the game in years. You know, I don't, so. I, do I, should I remind people how long it's been or is that making us all oh. feel old? No, don't even say it. <laughs> oh, gee. Don't even say it. A long it. time. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> Let's get into our uh, yeah. next track here. Uh, this is Mission Menu. We'll be right back. that live stuff going on it's awesome that is staying in by the way um oh yeah <laughs> i want to give a thanks to lord michaels <laughs> everyone here on I that was oh that God. was mission menu uh this was this was an important one um for me because i was i was really into jazz in high school i was in jazz band and and i was starting to learn more about the classics my parents were into jazz and stuff like that um funk and and uh I would kind of riff off of um, a lot of these 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 songs myself, you know, just oh, kind of cool. like you know hum as I was playing, make my own little like lyrics and do stuff, yeah. and, you know, um, improvise. Uh, yeah, and a lot of these tracks they give you so much room to do that, <laughs> so it's it's really great. True, probably because we I was li- also limited to a certain amount of voices per, which means how many notes I can play because anything I did in audio took away from video, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these systems were pretty archaic by today's standards. And we were triggering everything you hear in that game. Every sound um, is a little sample. And if I want an instrument, I have to have you know multiple samples of notes that hold so I can play them like an instrument, right? So everything had to fit um, in less than a meg. I think I had 800K for the every sound that was going to be in the game musically. And then I had to make little sequences that triggered them. So, And then I started making these sequences that I liked. And they're like, oh, well, that's good, but 
you're going to have to cut out. It's like that Amadeus scene, right? Too many notes. Like they keep <laughs> taking things away from me. So it just ended up being more of a groove with a very simple melody over it. It's all you could really do right. without taking away frames from the video guys. And that's all they cared about. We've talked about our, our love-hate relationship with the N64 sound hardware just because oh. of the, the way, you know, you know like it, it had the potential to be really good, but I just think that it wasn't designed with music as forefront as Nintendo's other systems. And so Definitely. Uh, I think, un unfortunately, uh, music with a lot more samples and stuff like that had to lower the um, the sample rate. And so you yes. kind of get this, this kind of, you know, graininess to graininess it. <laughs> to it. And, yeah. um, and, and that kind of takes away from it. But, you know, again, back then, you know, it still sounded great to me. So I fought that hard, too. Somebody asked me one time why Pilot Wings sounded different. I'm a sound designer, so I know how to squeeze every little audio quality out of everything possible thing I could. And that's why some of those um, tracks sound a little more lush than some of the other tracks that were available on other games. But the the, the uh, what I really missed is a synth chip. Like, yeah, all those other systems had little synth chips you could just. And that I'm a long time synth maniac, so I would have had a ball with that stuff. And when you sample a record, uh a synthesizer and try to play it back it doesn't sound the same as the, and it doesn't have the flexibility of what a real synthesizer has you know so that was a huge limitation for that system yeah in my eyes i think brian alluded to it as well you know the memory thing meant that you had to fight i think for resources with video so you were probably i i've read a little bit about this it sounded like you had a great relationship with your lead dev but that isn't always the case so that's why there's so much variability in the n64 uh, yeah <laughs> i i did have I, I, I had the the fortunate uh experience to have great relationships with both the developers um on the paradigm side I, they were basically family for me and wadasan and um the nintendo folks that came in were really in my corner i mean they actually when i went I came down to meet them all. And um, at the time, the game was just, it's going to be on an island and we're going to do things on an island. I mean, there was really no no plan, but they had some sketches of the characters, some pre-sketches. And I looked at them and I thought, these things look funky to me. Uh, this is this is screaming for some something funky, you know? All those elongated bodies and... Uh, the chick with the big boobs anyways you know who i'm talking about i i just went home and i wrote all this stuff and i i knew that it was a good chance it was not going to be accepted because they didn't have anything groovy any groove based music in any of the nintendo tracks to that point but well, screw it i wrote i don't know a dozen songs or so and i came down and i thought oh, okay i'm not sure the japanese team is going to be into this well it was just the opposite the americans didn't like it <laughs> and Wada did. Wada went, yeah. He looked at me and he gave me the green light on everything that I wrote and said, go keep keep going. So that's, if it wouldn't have been for Wada's direction and acceptance, I think this would have been a very different soundtrack. That's incredible because I would have just expected the, well, I, I can't say I would have expected the opposite, but I, I wouldn't have mm. expected the, um, the uh, immediate buy-in. Uh, Me either. From you know, we we hear about um, you know Japanese companies in the in the '90s and stuff like that that are um, very protective of their IPs and mm -hmm. um, their their sound quality and and all this very stuff. Very particular and, about how they want things done too. Right. Yeah, and, I know things have changed yeah. a lot, but in the '90s there was a lot more of this expectation, like oh well, these there's the American devs and there's the Japanese devs. You know. Right. 
Well, it's almost like they're like the Abbey Road over there too. You look at pictures <laughs> of the old Capcom Sound team, and like you're talking about with uh, with lab coats on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, it has right. to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I guess I had that also in my mind that that was what we were going to be fighting. I was actually expecting there to be two different versions of audio hmm. for the game, but I, I just don't think with the limitation of a time frame for one thing and and ROM size, it, it just wasn't feasible. So. They, luckily for me, I think they they stuck with just one sound set, one track set, you know, for the game worldwide. And I do get I get some, I get great comments. People write me from all over the world. It is like it's insane to me, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and love to hear from people that said I picked up the bass because of you, or <laughs> oh, you that's know, awesome. I didn't know anything about funk or anything, but now I'm listening to all this great stuff, Sly and Family Stone, because of this Pilot Wing <laughs> soundtrack, and that's. That's the best, man. Having <laughs> and being able to talk to you guys just because of this game. Yeah, what an amazing reach that you got probably without expecting, right? Like there, there's a lot of uh, you know, and and, it, and it's so well remembered too. Like yeah, the, this crazy. later on. Let's get into another track here. This is uh, Hang Glider. This is a great one. So we'll be right back.
There's your magic. There's your magic edge thing. I know, right? Well, I'll definitely make from. sure to bring that back up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that. That's how that song goes. <laughs> All right, that was Hang Glider, composed by Dan Hess, for the N64 version of Pilot Wings. That is a lovely track, and I just want to say this comment that we got from our chat, which is, uh, we have a lot of uh, regulars, and this is the quote here. This isn't a question, but I just want to say, I know Birdman gets a lot of love, and deservedly so, but I feel like Hand Glider is one of the most relaxing and beautiful songs from this console generation, which I that agree, from it's, it's Electric, a wonderful song. Electric Boogaloo, yeah. Yeah, and oh, it's from Magic thanks, Edge, man. so double bonus, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was the inspiration. It was. I had a lot of fun making that track, too. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, there's so much variety in the soundtrack for starters, and this one's so airy. I mean, even more so than some of the other ones. And it had to be right. I mean, that's that's we were sitting here watching these, playing the game as it existed at the time, and um, that's what you felt like. It, it's whatever had to be had to be kind of airy and kind of bouncy, like you know, you're floating around, but it's not as serene as what Birdman was going to be. You know it. It, it just was a lot of fun. It's fun to to put the game on, and just sit there and play things that are just you're feeling. Every once in a while, you'll come across something. Oh, that that feels right. That, you know, you expand works. on it, and maybe it becomes a track. Maybe it doesn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, because of the 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 diversity and the um, the different sounds that you you were able to bring to this soundtrack. Why don't we get into um, some of your background a little bit? Like, tell us about about yourself, like how you got into, you know, music in in general. Because you've been doing it for a while before this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I took to a piano pretty much as I don't remember not playing a piano in my life. I just was playing. My grandmother's both had pianos in the basements. So I'd be plinking things out. And I think my grandma heard me one day plinking out like this old tune, "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head." And looked at my mom and said, "You know, you need, you need to get that boy some lessons." <laughs> and that's pretty much. I never looked back, and I always had an ear and always gravitated towards things that were a little more soulful. I, I live in Detroit, grew up, born in Detroit, and AM radio and all the FM stuff was playing really great R&B back then. Like, I mean, this is Motown, right? Oh yeah. And uh, there's just and there's still an amazing scene here, but. That, those were my influences. That and my grandmother was Kentucky gospel and all that real gospel stuff is in deep in me, which is all that's blues and funk too, right? That's where this has all come from. Um, I was gigging by the time I was 14 and it was in um, our own, start our own um, original bands. I was in a band called Second Self in the 80s. They got signed. I pulled out just as the signing was going down. I was kind of burned out at the time. I went in the 90s and was in a band called Skeleton Crew, another one we got signed. And a little factoid, um, we beat Beyonce on Star Search in 1992. Ooh. And when I was a Skeleton Crew, she lost. She, and then she featured us, my, my band, in her video in like 2014, out of the blue. <laughs> she just showed little clips of us beating her on Star Search. It was apparently a... Wow. A nice defining moment for her. She you said, can, You can rest easy now. Star right. search. That brings me back. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was just a few years before um, Pilot Wings. Wow. But I, I've been in, uh, in high tech and music pretty much since um, I put a synthesizer in my lap when I was 14 and have never looked back. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. 
Mini Moog synthesizer, by the way, for you music geeks. Mini Moog, that was that was the jam. Well, that's that's great. We were actually going to ask uh, about well before we get into your the the hardware and your setup and stuff. What was your approach to writing the music for this game specifically? Hmm. Or maybe music I mean, in general, even groove. For the game, it was definitely I wanted to be groove based. I I uh, played video games, so I know how long tracks go right and we all have the mario theme stuck in our soul for the rest of our life because the hours we spent <laughs> playing mario right the first one um uh, the nes version but um i thought if you're gonna listen to something over and over it should have something behind it that even non-melodic that just kind of gets you moving a little bit you know and so i started putting together bass and drum grooves as the core of a lot of those tracks um, oh, I always wanted there to be some kind of a groove. I mean, there's a few that don't, it's like Cannonball. It's like. Dun, 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 dun. That one's obviously not a groovy song. Right, right. But it was a fun song. But pretty much everything else in there has a backbone in it. Um, that was my approach, I think, to just make it feel good. Did, you know? So you start with a you start with a bass or you have some lick in your head that mm. kind of get going on and then then you, you you know add on to that? Or, or how do you... That's a good question. Well, where things start, I definitely bass was very important to me i love bass and a lot of those early systems didn't have a lot of bass in them i, I put a real bass like i sampled a uh a jazz bass um through an amp to get the tone that's in pilot wings even though it's only a few hits a few notes um i, I wanted that to be at the core of things but i don't know if the song started with bass drums every time you just kind of noodle right i i the the first time i wrote the songs um I had a Kurzweil K2500 for you music geeks out there. And I was just using whatever patches were on there to write songs. And it quickly became apparent after my first meeting, like, okay, this is great, but you're going to have a limitation on how many sounds you can use because you have this 800K, everything's got to fit in. And that just blew my mind. I went home going, oh my God, I have to rethink how I'm going to do this because it all has to, every sound I make has to be reusable, has to be usable for all the tracks otherwise i can't include it it's don't have the um, memory to do so you know which is funny because i think 800k was actually at the time was probably still a lot but it was still very limiting oh, you know i don't know man uh, mp3 at the time oh, mp3 that's... had just kind of come out and they were like four meg right <laughs> that's so true, that's true for one song it's four meg i have 800k <laughs> for like 30 songs or whatever it ended up being and all the sounds to make it, you that's know. A good, that's a good point. <laughs> Let me ask a little quick bridge question, because you mentioned, you know, you've been doing music forever. You've been a sound guy for ages. There's mm -hmm. kind of like a piece of the story I'd like to hear is like, how did the music kind of get you involved in tech? Is that, was there a direct line there or, you know, how, yeah. I think it really was synthesizers that started it out, right? I mean, that was my introduction to electronics and recording. Second Self, that was my first exposure to a really nice recording studio when I was 18 walking into this multi-track and you see the two inch and all the gear and 
I had maybe four years of, you know, programming synthesizers at that, that point. Mm. You really couldn't afford your own PCs back then. It was just starting to become affordable. So um, I didn't have a home experience yet with a computer, but I was pretty hooked. And you don't realize that you're, which is why um, when Paradigm, when I got involved with Paradigm and, and the company that formed Paradigm, um, I was not really feeling confident that I could uh, work with some of these people. I had this idea they were all in white lab coats and, you know, knew more. But in reality, I had been at that point 10 years of experience in digital music that most people didn't, you know, or analog music. But that's, uh, that was my introduction to high tech. It all came through music. And I went certainly beyond music into my high tech, but that, that's, I think, where it started. That's a, that's a great point. And I, and I think to that, uh, to that degree, like um, a lot of people in tech really actually ever, you know, people think, oh, they, they have, you know, 15 years experience doing this. Everybody's just barely figuring it out <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just, just guessing. <laughs> but I do want to give a little bit of credence to what you're saying. Like, I think for Brian and I, music has also been, you know, it's a very strong through line in a lot of the stuff that we've done. I mean, it's taken us a lot of places. We've learned a ton from it. It's, it's one of these skill sets that doesn't necessarily seem like it'd be like, oh, right, obviously technology, but it's they're so interwoven that especially now. Yeah. I mean, oh, especially now. <laughs> we couldn't afford PCs back then. I, I had my first God, I would work on a Mac two and mm, sometime in the 90s. But in the 80s, they were you couldn't make music yet at home. Right. But now you can you can do everything in your basement. Yeah. So if you're a musician, I guarantee you, you have a computer and you figure in how to record your own music or write your own sounds or whatever you're doing with it. Music is your intro to technology if you're a musician. It's, yeah, you know, he records in his garage, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's Studio B. I'm currently in <laughs> Studio A, which is uh, my den, yeah. my living room. <laughs> it's funny, you said you said that, you know, it's uh, computers were so expensive we couldn't, you know, we couldn't afford one, but now you almost can't afford to live without one, right? I know, right? Uh, it's yeah, totally it's flipped. changed so much. <laughs> Let's jump into our next track here. This is Rocket Belt from Piloting 64.
That was Rocket Belt from Pilot Wing 64, composed by Dan Hess. And there's actually an interesting story here. Uh, Dan sent us a demo track, which is the basis of this. This is before all of that compression and crunching it down to fit into the N64. It was a little bit more of a lush kind of rich sound. It still sounds awesome on the N64. Let's listen to that. But yeah, let's take a listen. side you know funk rock but Ooh. that's where the thing came from then i just ripped it for for uh, rocket belt for the game oh that that wave file. that's uh that's my new alarm clock <laughs> <laughs> that's good you know i i gotta say when i first heard this i was listening um to a lot of jazz a lot of funk at the time uh in cool. high school and um when i heard this this immediately made me feel like Wow, Dan Hess must have been listening to the meters a lot. Oh like, my god, that's like one of my gods <laughs> yeah. of music. I'm the just meters. Say this. this is like this oh just my just god. feels like so perfect, and like I love this track. Oh, it's a great the track. Brothers Groove, they're just amazing. They're um, ama- yeah, they're an amazing. When band. I heard Sissy Strut, I was it was just like oh. a match made in heaven. Yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? Where does this music come from? <laughs> Dan, let's amazing. cover Sissy Strut, dude. Oh, let's do it. Oh. Let's do our own version. Oh, oh my god! god. Oh my god! <laughs> we definitely are going to do something together. So, it's all scatting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what were you? What kind of music were you listening to at the time? Hmm. During the Pilot Wings thing? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, um, God, you know what? I, we were writing music, so I wasn't really listening, which is crazy. So much. Um, of the 90s music scene I was unaware of until later because I was just writing. And I was a dad, right? And I still am, of course, but my boys were, um, let's see, in 96, Tyler was seven, Dylan was just born. So I was busy, you know? Yeah. I was busy yeah. dad doing my things. So and the only time I had, we were just, I was in a project uh, writing, uh, once, once a week we get together and just write songs. And man, I miss that these guys were so, incredible they're all gifted songwriters and performers and that's what we were into our own stuff just creating for ourselves you know making ourselves happy you know so i really don't have a good answer on that i'll say i I remember when god this must have been late 90s but when um oh what's jacob dylan's band called the wallflowers came out Mm. that hit me pretty hard i don't know why but that first first track came out i'm like wow this is there's some, this is organic. This is this is a real. There's a real music going on here. That's so many great '90s bands. Um, now that reflecting on it, but all my roots are still there. All the, like we were talking about earlier, all the Sly and the Family Stone was huge for me as a kid. I grew up on Motown. Um, 
God, I'm my brain fart now, but 70s soul. Did you pull any inspiration or do you listen to um, some stuff from the original by uh, Soyoka? Uh, and, and to- I did through, you know, I did not play that game. So I was exposed to it when we were creating this game. Mm. And I really, I'm like, I couldn't do what Soyoka did. I, I, I listened to them like, I can't, I try to do justice to the intro. We took the original, uh, Wadasan, who was the, um, the director, said he wanted to tie in the old games, the new. He said, why don't you take and do your own arrangement of the intro? So that's... But our minds are so differently musically, and I, I just, it blew me away what, what she was able to do, like on that first Nintendo system. But um, I, I wasn't familiar with it at the time uh, mm. until, until we started working on the game. And and people, I, I remember, I remember when the game came out, and um, somebody had said that there were um, somebody else had credit on the game. I had forgotten all about the intro, and I had sent it an interview. It might have been in probably the one I did with the Nintendo Life that um, there was nobody else that worked on the game, which is true. I mean, mm-hmm. I was the only one that, but absolutely it was um, Soyo's track that was the track I arranged for the intro. All her, uh, all that stuff, so. I mean, in, in fairness, you know, I was listening to the Pilot Wings Resort soundtrack and they definitely were lifting some ideas from what you did. So, you know, it's just standing on the shoulders of giants, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, funny. absolutely, absolutely. I, I haven't heard it, but I heard, I've heard the same comment. <laughs> You haven't heard I wish it. I would have to listen. Okay, so I haven't. we have a bit of an in-joke in our podcast Discord. Uh, what's your opinion on the Rippingtons? We're huge fans, but I feel like you might have an hey. opinion on it. <laughs> wow. I don't... I, I'm not familiar. Oh, they're like the quintessential, I don't know, like dad smooth jazz band they're, they're amazing <laughs> no way music band they are no america's cassiopeia they're, they're... <laughs> okay i'm googling these guys right now i saw them live i went almost as a joke and i was blown away they this was like three years ago <laughs> do you ever watch the weather channel <laughs> yeah oh that's so funny come on that's like that's what they're doing but they do that live yeah, oh, yeah, no, they, they were the Weather cool. Channel house band yeah, literally. in the mid-90s, literally. <laughs> Come on. I thought that oh, might yeah. have been something that you kind of I just got like... I on my list right here, right now. <laughs> Adding to the list. Uh, you well, know, I don't even know why some of that stuff came out like that, like <laughs> in the, for the game. I was, it really wasn't going for like a smooth jazz thing or anything. But by the way, if you could listen to the 8-bit big band version of Pilot Wing 64, um, their version of Birdman is pretty stellar. And it's totally... Talk about smooth jazz. It well, he went there with it. Charlie oh, yeah. Rosen, what and the talent! Like I just mind-numbing the, the work they've done, and he's arranged. Genius.
but I, I was, uh, and I thought about that. I go, I really didn't intend to make anything that was smooth jazz. I mean, that wasn't my intention, but I guess the sounds I was using too kind of lent itself and had a little groovy bass and it makes sense. It makes sense. Absolutely. That's, that's a takeaway though. When you guys hear some of these songs, that's what you're thinking, isn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. Kind of, it's funny. <laughs> of course. I know. Right. I just, honestly, that it kind of just accidentally happened that way. <laughs> I was telling you, man, I, I try and take Birdman and it's like, let's do it as a, you know, the white dude, George Benson as much as possible. <laughs> oh, your version is really good. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's good stuff. We will be hearing from we'll, that. We'll definitely get to all, there's, there's so much to talk about with Birdman, but let's get into our next track. This is Gyrocopter. <laughs> probably one of my least favorite i'll tell you i'll when we come back i'll tell you i gotta answer because people always say hey you stole that line from cool in the gang and you know what that the da, 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 oh god what is it it's the celebration thing and yeah it's the same melody i mean those things are floating around your head but it actually um right that's the line from Da 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 da. That's from from the game, right? But that's that's uh, that's celebration, yeah. Yeah. But when I was before celebration was ever written, that actually came from a song that I had written, one of the first songs ever, and it was like this kind of a frog rock thing, and that's where I was taking it from. But. God knows all that stuff's all floating around in my brain. So yeah, it, yeah, it just bounces around. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely, I, we've heard this from composers that it's like sometimes something will be there in I don't know twenty years, and like I'll just put it into a track, and then I kind of forgot that it was something that I was listening to and whatever. Yeah, it's not intentional, you know. <laughs> no, it's it's floating around your brain, and that's a lot of times you'll write something, you're like, 
This is actually good. It's probably not mine. <laughs> it probably came from something else. Uh, I hope I don't get sued. Oh, that's no. great. That was Gyrocopter from <laughs> from Pilot 64. Yeah, this is a great track. I I, yeah. I absolutely it's it's a lot different than some of the other tracks I've already heard though. Yeah, it's I think it's the only one that's like that on the it had that danger. It needed a little bit more danger. There was nothing else in the game that was like, what was that giant guy you were trying to kill? Uh, oh, do you guys remember? It was like a Nintendo figure that you were shooting rockets at. Do you remember that? You're like in a oh, giant. I was gosh. bad at the game, so I don't remember. God. <laughs> did you ever make it this far? <laughs> but anyways, you had to shoot rockets. It was like the only game that was like it, like this giant dude. Just, anyways, it had to have a little more of that. Yeah. What was that? Um <laughs> Right, the name. I know what I don't. There's know. like 20 people right now screaming at their their phones, like telling I us. Know. People hate listening to podcasts where like we don't have the answer and they know it. I'm sorry, you guys. Just fix it and post. <laughs> right, make it sound like we knew what we were talking about. Hey, that's uh, anyways why it sounds like it does. I want to I want to jump into some questions from um, good friend of the show Ed um, hmm. of VG Embassy. He said uh, with background in creating and programming audio for simulations and the two games you worked on being scaled down simulations themselves. Have you taken an interest in how others are approaching audio for games like Microsoft Flight Sim or American Truck Simulator in the modern era? You know, I have not even thought about how they're approaching music in those. Uh, I, I didn't know they added music to Microsoft Flight Simulator. It must be really chill, right? It I, is. You know, I, Sounds I a lot like Birdman, let's be honest. <laughs> it's just like, wow, no. Birdman. I wouldn't even have thought that would be a thing, but that's cool. You know, yeah. people ask me too, um, how do you get into video game music or whatever? And I thought, well, back then it was really difficult, but now there are literally thousands and thousands of games. Even the uh, this is a perfect example, Farming Simulator and Flight Simulator. I wouldn't even have thought that would have been an opportunity, but there you go. And, and all the phone games and if there's ever a time to get into video game music, this is it, you know? Um, sorry, I don't have much of a better answer for that question, but I do I do pay attention to how music is used um, and how um, interactive it could be now. Cause we are, I'm really jealous. We really had all these great ideas for doing interactive music in the games based on what you were doing in the game. And not only was there not enough room often on the cartridge to support that, but oh, yeah. they didn't have the AI that was really needed to do that properly too right and you can do that now yeah you can have things that respond to what you're doing in the game musically that's cool right and the physics and stuff as a, as a follow-up to ed's question he also mm -hmm. said like either you know back in the day or presently is there any sim game you know because you did pilings and you you were mm -hmm. very successful at, at um you know getting that soundtrack out was there anything else in that sim genre that you would have liked to work on like aquatic or farming or civilization you know, civilization oh, yeah that uh, was the one that i remember for sure oh, that was my jam too the i think i was playing that on what was it Sega genesis i what what i don't remember when that game came out but i remember just being all about it like it was just mind-blowing you know you couldn't stop playing it yeah that would have been a great one to work on plus it's it's one of those games that just keeps going. You know, yeah, the music had to be stop. just right. <laughs> I do appreciate guys who can write like that, you know, because you're going to be playing for at least an hour. And it, you don't want something annoying that you have to go and, oh, God, gotta get rid of this track. It's driving me crazy. And I just take it out. So that would be, I think, a challenge to write something for a for a sim game. 
Yeah. Because you don't know how long that track's going to be playing. We actually talked to some guys who wrote for a game called Airport CEO, and they were exactly talking about that challenge about really? how do you keep something somewhat interesting that doesn't loop too often, but doesn't take you like but six not, years to write. Yeah, but and also not interesting <laughs> yeah. enough to where it pulls you away from yeah. the. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> not interesting enough. That's <laughs> it, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah Microsoft Flight Simulator. You're you're actually trying to land a plane. Probably shouldn't be too distracted by you know bobbing your head or something. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I, well, we weren't sure we would have time to play skydiving, but I really want to get into yeah, it. That's one of my favorite tracks. I love this track. I know. That's yeah. why I'm like, please let's play it. All right, this is. Skydiving from Pilot Me 64. That was Skydiving, composed by Dan Hess. Love it. That's one of my, my favorite tracks. Yeah, it's one of which my Which is a lot too. of fun to do. Yeah. Me it's too. Another uh, meters uh, feeling for me. Like, it's oh, yeah. really Brian got was, that. Yeah, he was singing some meters to me. Do you want to yeah. do it again on, on show, uh, the, Brian? The, <laughs> uh, it's the, what, oh, what was the track? I forgot the lyrics. Like, give it what you can, da, 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 can oh, give, it, da, da, give it what you yeah. can, can. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I forgot what this track was, but I'm sure it was something You're like that. You're in the band, oh, Brian. God, Thanks. dude. The reunion band. <laughs> oh man, the funky meters. <laughs> yeah, those are the Neville brothers. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good stuff, man. Six, six, six. Oh yeah, they're. I mean, I got like all their stuff. I listen. I still listen to it yeah. all the time. Um, Norm asks uh, for another game that you worked on for F1 Grand Prix. The guitar <laughs> elements sounded natural considering they were coming out of the N64, <laughs> which is funny. That was not easy. I did not want to do that for that game. Like, um, I got pulled into F1 and became a fan of Formula uh, Formula One through the game. But um, I knew enough at the time that it was more of a world thing. Americans really had no clue what Formula One was about. They were all about Indy and NASCAR, right? Yep. And if you look at an Indy car, you say, oh, it's the same. No, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely not the same sport. And but, but at the time, I thought techno would be the perfect, what a perfect opportunity to make a techno game. 
I mean, that's was happening in 1998, 97, whatever we were, we were doing this game. And I pitched, I created some tracks for it and, and some more syntho stuff. And I thought for sure that was what they would want. But the Japanese development team, this was not Nintendo. This mm. was uh, Video Systems, I think, was the developer on that. And they, they had very strong ideas, like you were mentioning, Gene, earlier. Um, about with how they wanted things to be, and they're like, "No, we want the, you know, American rock and roll, American guitars and and drums." And they had all these tracks they wanted to do. Um, yeah, and I tr I tried really hard to persuade them because guitars do not transcend well. Like me trying to play a guitar sound on a keyboard always sounds like some really cheesy '80s synth. It's just <laughs> really bad, you know. I, I really didn't want to do it that way, but that's what. I had to do so. We have a clip here from. Uh, we don't, don't have know track what the names. actual file name. Yeah, is, but it's yeah, like we'll... track eighteen or something like that. So yeah, it kind of sounds like an early '90s guitar grunge rock thing, which sounds really cool. Oh my god. Some of my favorite tracks in there were probably, I think it was the paddock when you were like getting your car ready. 
because I was trying to make something that's going to pump you up. Okay, I'm getting ready to get in this race. You know, I'm I'm putting what I need on my car and I'm going to hit out the track. That one's pretty good. The track intro is pretty good. The game intro is pretty good. After that, eh, eh. I tell you what, the 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 versions that are on. That wasn't even that wasn't even a track in the game. So somebody, somebody, somebody bad in game development yeah. left a bunch of stuff on that I was on my demo sequences when I was testing the system. I don't even know what that is, <laughs> but um, it's a good sign. There's a bunch of songs in there that that, that uh, tracks that were never in the game, and somebody left them on the cartridge. And then when people <laughs> did the whatever they do to get the songs off it, they just found them. They dumped them all. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember working with um, El Spiro, and she had sent me all these tracks good what what are these things and i said i i mean literally my sound test was on there firmly like hitting a bass note over and over and i was testing it I remember that. Yeah, it's like somebody it, left all that stuff on the cartridge. What like, are you guys doing to me? Oh my god! So I don't even know what you're listening to right there. I gotta say, man, I really like the echo on this guitar lead. <laughs> this is how bad that that stuff was. I needed it really badly, so I had to just basically copy the track and keep moving it over. Whatever. <laughs> That's how I made my own echoes. Right? That's like two different it's cool copies. That I think you got the, like the gen- the genuine like tape echo effect there too. <laughs> it is exactly what it is. <laughs> Yeah, what did you had to do back then? No, it's cool. I'm not. I'm not being facetious, by the way. It's I. I, I you know, you got to take everything with the time <laughs> and the technical limitations from which it was. Oh my god, and, you do. Uh, yeah, it's still really cool. Thanks. That's one thing that bothers me is that all these tracks don't sound right. Uh, let me actually just really quick. You mentioned techno. I wanted. To, I wanted to grab because you shared with us uh, one of the tracks from the PS2 game. Uh, you didn't end up working on it, right? The Spy Hunter game? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Um, there's a story to that. There's a demo track. I think it's called M2. I don't know what it actually is called, but this is the one you shared with us. It's very techno-y. I think can give you a chance to relive those memories a little bit.
Oh yeah, that's that's how I thought the game should be. Yeah, that I'm too. I called that. I thought that'd be like night driving in the game. I don't know if you're familiar with the old Spy Hunter game, but it was like a look oh, yeah. down. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they were actually turning this into a 3D game, and I told this was a huge game for uh, Wes Hoffman and I. That he, he's one of the founders of Paradigm. Mm. And so he's like, dude, we're doing Spy Hunter. You got to do this. So absolutely. I was so excited about it. But this is probably their third game for Nintendo. No, this was their first for um, Sony. Right. right. It was their yeah. first PlayStation game. But we'd been making games a few. And um, I was the def- I was just like the de facto. This is the guy that's going to do our soundtracks guy. And then they thought, well, we're going to open this up now to bids. Well, that's fine with that. And I put my bid in for Spy Hunter knowing what it actually took to create a video game. And most people didn't back then. They thought, oh, I just write some songs, I submit them, I'm done. And that is, <laughs> wouldn't that be great if that's how it was? Because it was, <laughs> that was 10%. That was the fun part. But um, we, I was down there for months integrating, right? And also, you don't get to choose which songs go in the game, right? So you're writing songs and they have to be accepted. And that's what some of these guys don't get. Well, I wrote it and that's great. We didn't like it. Write another one. Right. <sighs> write another. Yeah. Write another. Like Birdman, I must have written thirty songs. It just I couldn't get it right. He just didn't didn't like any. It's a great song or whatever. Like it, not Birdman. And there's a whole story to that. But that's what you yeah. deal with, right? You have to write until they're accepted, and then at that point you have to create them and integrate them into the game. And you can't leave. Like you have to make it. Nobody else is going to do that for you. You're on right? the hook. That's the job. Yeah. So knowing all that and all the months and basically a year of my life that's going to go into this i put a bid in and um dave gatchel who's the president of the company called me uh, and said hey just want to let you know we've gotten some very competitive bids in against you um and are you willing to come down i said no dave i mean that's it's a pretty conservative bid i gave you i know Hmm. there's going to be things i haven't even thought about that are going to keep me down there for months on end. Um, no, I, that's what it takes, right, to do this. So they end up going with a, another uh, composer. And I did warn them. I said, if you get somebody else, I, I asked him, how how competitive, what are you looking for? He goes, well, some of them are like half of what you bid. I said, if you get somebody for <sighs> yeah. that half of what I bid, I guarantee you they are not going to deliver. They're not going to be down there integrating. They're going to write some songs and send them to you, and you're going to be stuck. Well, guess what? A year later, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And they called me, hey, can you come down and fix this? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. And you know, not my nightmare. <laughs> not doing it. The thing Tale is, all this time. even now, even now with all the middleware and how much generally easier it's gotten, pretty much every composer we talk to, that is a component of their job. At least 20 to 30% is figuring out how to integrate it. Even the basic, like, it's yeah. essentially like playing in the background. They still have to figure these things out. Go, yeah, okay, actually that track shouldn't be playing here. You're like, it's, it's never important. going away. <laughs> it's part <laughs> no, of the game dev it, process. And you can't assume those things. You, you, oh, here, just turn it off. Then you listen to what they did with it. Wait a second. No, that doesn't play there. Yeah. What are you doing? That doesn't, What you have to be involved. You have to be day to day. I would go home and write a bunch of tunes that I would live down there for weeks on end and live with the team. And by the way, the team, all the teams I worked on, especially Pilot Wings, because it was such an important thing for this company. Brand new company. We just spun off from um, sim, uh, from Paradigm Simulation into Paradigm Entertainment. And when it became apparent that we were probably not going to make launch at the current 
rate of production, we kept stealing more people from Paradigm Simulation <laughs> and bringing them up to our floor. It was, a, it, and these people are the best. Like this team was just brilliant. You know, we didn't have hardware. There was no Nintendo 64 yet. We were just working on simulated uh, in software environment that was simulating what the, the hardware was going to be. Wow. So you didn't even have like a dev brilliant. kit or anything? <laughs> no, we we, we, we uh, not till later. Okay. We, I remember we did at the very end. I also remember when they brought us. I think they needed to give us a little kick in the ass because they realized at one point we were the only uh, manufacturer that was going to be able to produce if we were able to. Yeah. Everybody else was like never going to happen. So the entire focus of Nintendo was on our little company. You know, this is, has to work, guys. <laughs> And uh, I'd say we were about halfway into development cycle, maybe a little more than that. And the uh, guy literally flew in from Japan with a briefcase, like um, handcuffed to his arm, like in a movie. <laughs> and, wow. and guess what was in it? It was the ROM for um, Super Mario 64. Wow. Because think about it, we're creating a game where we have no frame of reference. Like, what can this system do? Uh, we don't know. We're just building our own. It's the first one we've ever seen. Wow. And I heard that track. <laughs> it was mind-numbing what was going on. Just magical. Seeing that for the first time, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be so huge. Like, this world doesn't know what it has coming. These kids are going to freak oh, out. Yeah. You and know, we did. Like, you guys both experienced <laughs> it, so you, you all did. And that's going to lead us into our next section. I think everybody has been skipping the rest of this episode to get to here because we're about to talk about Birdman. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> okay. That's, that is the track that uh, let's let's play the track and then we'll come back and talk about it. All right.
All right, that was Birdman from Pilot Wing 64, composed by Dan Hess. Yeah, I have to give some credit to Wadasan for pushing me to come up with something that was perfect for that um, part of the game. I just, I apparently didn't know because I wrote so many that he rejected. So what were what were some of the other ones that, that he turned down? Oh, God, I don't even know. I mean, we're talking about 1996. I was just writing... I had the palette of sounds, right? That was the, I, I will say I did create a new sound specifically for Birdman once I wrote it because it needed like this real lushness to it that mm-hmm. none of the other tracks had. And I found a way to squeeze. I think I might even have gone to the dev team and asked for a little more room in my heat hunter. Maybe I have 850 now because I wanted to add some kind of a real thick pad or some synthy thing that I want to put in there. But, um, and this story's been told before, so I apologize if you heard it before, but Wadasan, the director of the game, had told me he wanted a track that was floaty, fluffy. This was <laughs> my direction. And with that in mind, I wrote track after track after track, and he would just kind of shake his head, mm, mm, no. <laughs> and it just, it became, it was one of the last tracks I did. Um, just because I couldn't find it, you know, and I, 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 my uh, good friend, uh, Mike Engeldinger, who is another principal of the company, um, he said, hey, just move into my office for a while. Just come right here. You get a different scene because I was in a, in a small office down the hall set up. So I moved my whole rig into his, uh, into his office, brought my speakers, but primarily working on headphones because he's coding on the game. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to, think chill think floaty and just and i started just vibing on some different stuff letting just stuff come out and i started playing something into my mind it sounded like a barry white track uh, all we needed was barry to come hey baby you know come on and it would have been done and i'm just laughing to myself and i said mike you have to hear this so i flicked it on the speakers and played it for him and we we're just getting off on this track and Wadasan just happened to be walking by the hall and stopped in the door. <laughs> and I looked over at him and he was flapping his arms and smiling. Like, <laughs> this is Birdman? Because, you uh, know, it was a... <laughs> <that>. Oof. <laughs> oh, man. That's what it was, right? And I just, I just would have never guessed that he would have accepted that. So at least once I had that little nugget, then I could expand it from there. And that's how Birdman came. And, and one more thing, I I did bring this up the other day um, on a different podcast, but with Ian. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, there was something we, we had the game put together. We had the song put together. Basically in my mind, it was this jazzy uh, soul vibe with different instruments coming and taking their solos, right? That's really what that different melodies come in, right? It's not the same melody. It comes back, but there's every instrument takes a little different take on the melody, right? And I asked the developers, I said, okay, hey, you guys have that applause track, right? So when you do something you're supposed to do in the game properly, you hit a ring, it goes, woo, and then you get like some clapping, right? <laughs> I go, can we put that clapping on after each solo? <laughs> and he's like, hell yeah. So he codes it in, right? And I just, it cracked me up. It was my personal joke, right? And then years later, I found out these kids were playing the game wondering, like, what did I just do? That people started clapping. They thought that they had done (laughs) something something in the game. And they couldn't make it happen again. They never figured out that it was the clap. It was the the song. 
clapping the cello. That's amazing, man. We should you should keep that uh, that going where people don't know, so we can get a summoning salt like video where people are trying to figure out like what did they have to do to perfect the game. We'll just cut all of this out That's and hilarious. just keep the mystery. <laughs> you should, you really should, because if they could figure it out, then uh, I would be impressed. I would be impressed. I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to pose it to Ian first because we have a very special reason for asking it. So one of our uh, listeners asked, did you ever think Birdman would be the catalyst for awakening a love of smooth jazz and millions of kids across the world? <laughs> <laughs> Ian, obviously you're here because you made a remix of Birdman or a cover of Birdman and we'll be playing yeah. that at the end of the show. I don't know. Tell us what your experiences were here. <laughs> well, my experience is, two, is kind of twofold. You know, one, yeah, being a, pro, a child of the 90s and listening to it and, and realizing that it had awakened something deep inside me, like all those YouTube <laughs> comments tell Dan. <laughs> the grossest ones he probably gets on these covers. Um, and then also just, you know, going to school and, um, and studying music under different teachers who would always, they push jazz on you. And, yeah. you know, it sunk its teeth in me because like a lot of kids like oh it sounds like mario kart music and it's like <laughs> forgetting that so many composers are like dan said inspired by people like the meters or whoever had come before so you yeah. start to find out who your idols listen to a little bit and you know yeah we do have this whole generation of people that are 25 to 40 who love this stuff because now you can unironically love jazz and funk music because Very you have cool. all these groups you know like Wolfpack and this the new generation of people like your Corey Wongs or there's lots of names people oh, probably yeah. sitting there you're forgetting this guy and that but all all the good the people at Nam that are playing it up every year and at the Hammond booth um, we all owe <laughs> Dan right <laughs> if, if that if that is true if somehow I brought people into like funk and jazz then that's a huge compliment for me so. Thank you. You got to go to a mag event, dude. Go to Magfest or Mag West, and trust oh. me, a lot of people are going to be on you awkwardly. Just uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know what? To know. <sighs> it, it, I'm going. I I got invited by the um, coordinator, and I couldn't go the first year, and then uh, then COVID, you know, put other things in our life yeah. for a while. But um, I'm I can't go this. There's one coming up in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks or when, when this airs go. in a week. <laughs> okay, but next time I'm really going because I, I just hear great, great things about it. Let us know when you go. I'll and then talk we'll have to, to my go people too. because <laughs> nice. you, you're an excellent performer and like everyone, I swear to God, will go wild. Yeah, you will you, like oh you will kill God. there. Yeah, like, they will not lose their but... mind. You'll see like a dude in a, a smelly Pikachu costume like, yeah. losing it, or somebody with like giant bird wings. They'll be like, <laughs> you know, like, I swear it's gonna happen. They're gonna be throwing their bird wings on you. Yeah, uh, somebody's gonna be peeking. They won't even realize it's really you. They're gonna think they're still in the hot tub. Oh my God! Oh man! I, I would love to have like a live band do something like Birdman. Have you know, flute player and have. Oregon going and dude, they're all there. There's drums. so many people. If you, if you put it out so into cool. the world, it will happen. I, you don't even have to try. Just say, I'm thinking about doing this. People are going to be emailing you constantly. I'll get you a whole backline, <laughs> dude. Tell me what to do for you. <laughs> it's, that's uh, across the country for you guys, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's, a, it's a tent pole event. You know, I haven't gone in a couple of years for obvious reasons, but I think 2023, I guess, since it's technically yeah. in January of 22, I'll, I'm going to try to make yeah. it out. Yeah. Definitely. Man, by the way, shout out to Snarky Puppy. That yes, is, thank you. That band is absolutely mind blowing. Incredible, just everything they do is. 
and Jacob Collier, another. Yep. I'm a total music geek. So anyways, just had to throw those out there. People ask me all the time, what do you listen to now? And those are two examples of things I put on. So I'll have to put manifest it, Dan. We're going to see Michael League in Finland at some point playing bass (laughs) to come on. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. I want to ask a couple more questions. But before we do that, let's jump into another track. This is Replay composed by Dan Hess. This one actually does kind of sound smooth jazz a little bit. Is this, is this, that, is that the one we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And you can just play it for us if you'd like. We don't have to listen to it. <laughs> 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 All right, that was oh Replay, God. composed by Dan Hess for Piloing 64. What can I say? This is this track is awesome. Like it really like hell yeah. I, I lose <laughs> a lot uh, when I play these. I played the original <laughs> Pilot Wings and I lost a lot too. But they had some really nice lose music. So whether you win or lose, this still sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. You're not dead. You just didn't do great, but it's okay. We're yeah. going to groove for a while, and you're going to do it again, and all's yeah. good. You didn't make par. It's fine. Yeah, I mean. right. Exactly. <laughs> it's all chill. It's all good. <laughs> uh, oh, so let's man. let's talk about some uh, some future stuff here. You got any upcoming projects you can tell us about or anything like that? You know, I do studio work, and I do, you know, basically parts for other people's music. I haven't. 
I've been on a technical project going on two and a half years now that has unfortunately pulled me out of making music um, mm. other than some live performances. And I really miss it. I, I, I can't tell you how much I miss it. Like I'm reaching out to my other songwriter friends. Um, hey, let's get together and write again because it's like a giant hole in my heart right now. And I perform. I still do live stuff. At least I did. Yeah, we, we definitely want to ask you about all that stuff because it sounds like you've been gigging basically what the last thirty years or so. <laughs> yeah, and, and I went to this crazy doing pianos thing ten years ago, thinking it was a stopgap in between. I couldn't stop working, so I thought I got to do something on the weekends that makes some money. My buddy's like, "You got to check out this doing pianos thing." Like, they're one of the buildings he owned. They had a show. They had shows that he was sponsoring, and. He said, there's hundreds of dollars of tips alone. Plus, they're flying them in, and we pay them good money. I went and looked at the, what these guys were doing. I thought, I can never do that. These guys are out of their minds. And have you guys seen the Dueling Piano show before? I've seen a couple of them, yeah. actually. Yeah, they're pretty popular around here. Yeah, there's <laughs> something else, man. So that was me, 2009, thinking I was going to do it for six months, and that was 10, 11, 12 years ago. Crazy. Wow. But uh, it's a weekend thing, but COVID's kind of made that very difficult and that's fine yeah so really no i have nothing um going on um on the music creative like i should at this point so sadly nothing to report yeah you know you sound like you, you had so much fun working on this soundtrack i'm, I'm just really oh, surprised that you um didn't and, and maybe there's other reasons behind it but like i'm surprised that you didn't pursue more game audio composition well, I think the the writing was on the wall for me um, when that bid I was telling you about for Spy Hunter. I mean, I thought all these kids are going to get into this, think they want to do video game music, and they're going to underbid it. They don't, really don't understand. It's not just making music. It's a technical process. It's, uh, it's a long cycle. And I don't want to be um, making far less money trying to feed my family. Yeah. Right. I have two boys and a, and, a, and a wife at the time. So um, that was like, a, I just saw it coming. And yeah. I, and you've heard of the sweat chops, right? We were working 100, 100 plus hours a week doing this stuff. I loved it. I don't think um, I would have changed a thing, but I felt for the guys who were there, who were part of Paradigm, who had families in town. Like when I was there, I lived there, right? So my life was whatever game we were working on. Yeah. But these guys had wives going, honey, are you ever going to be home for dinner? The kids haven't seen you for three months, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's so rough. there was that going on too. It was, it. you had to really love it to, to be a part of it back then. And that's kind of why I got out that. And I started another high-tech company. We did um, holographic 3D way before, like 3D without goggles. And I got so sucked into that. Yeah. That it took me completely out of the video game market at that time. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I'm not saying anything new here, but, you know, a lot, a lot, lots changed, you know, like a lot of people working remote and a lot, you know, there's a lot of indie companies and, and yeah, yeah you know, I'm just throwing it out there. It's not gonna be, it may yeah. not be a main gig for you, but I know people are like, I got Dan Hess to write music for yeah. my dad. You know, it's it's something I you can always think about. Anything yeah. when you know if somebody has something out there they want me to work with on them, I'd be love to do it. Seriously, Dan, we're all gonna echo the same thing. But if you just went on Twitter and was like, "Yo, 
it's me, Dan. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Somebody's going to have money and be like, here you go, sir. <laughs> Play me off. Well, when that happens, um, I'll step back in and write some music, you know, but I just, I honestly, that's just, this is still mind blowing to me. Just I'm sitting here talking to you guys about this from 1996. I Dude, it's mind-blowing to me, too. I mean, <laughs> Are you kidding? someone I procreated with me and I'm talking to you I know. right I, now. I woke so. up this oh morning, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Dan Hess. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to ask about this real quick because I know you have a Patreon and you've been, at least I know you said you've been busy lately, but a couple of years ago you put out your own arrangement of Birdman. We're not going to play the whole thing, maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe it'll sneak into the show, but <laughs> we have a clip from that right now. Birdman Returns. Uh, I think I'll, you know, cool. insert track here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
that was a tough one to do because I I wanted to take it a different direction, but I thought it might put some people off because so many people had written to me and said, please do this. And I thought, I'm just going to keep it really close to the original for at least the first quarter of it. And then I'll, rather than go synth with it, I'll go organic with it, you yeah. know, put some, and that's what it turned into, you know. It's funny because we talked to um, Kobayashi-san about Panzer Dragoon Saga yeah. way at, at MagWest, long, like what, like two years ago or something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, man. And she had said the same thing. She said it was really challenging to write, uh, like to remix or I guess revisit her old music because you have the the diehard fans that don't want to see the change. But you live yeah. up to the expectations yeah, that they have built up then, in their mind. Yeah. But if you're yeah. not, if you're not doing something at least somewhat faithful to the original sound you're there you know you're doing a disservice or you know there's there's yeah. all sorts of different directions you can get pulled for that that's exactly the dilemma right yeah. you're um, never going to please everybody i mean that's <laughs> that's the thing at the end of the day there's going to be someone who you know well you should have done it this way i mean like i love i love gene but i'll have a i'll have an album done he's like switch the track order <laughs> i can't do it now it's it's already out i know, it's I, know, I know but that's the thing right it's like everyone's a bit you know it's good to take in all fan opinion and and listen to it but at the end of the day man you wrote that that's that is you that's the dan hess piece so yeah you know they wouldn't even be liking it if it wasn't for you. So do what you want, oh, you know, thanks. go out there and that was the only piece of criticism, nuts. Ian. I, I I'm was... kidding. <laughs> I, what I'm, I, I have to, I can look at, you can't look at my face, but I can look at yours right now. So it's pretty great. That I can just watch you sweat. Uh, watch you blush. I was, I was really kind. Actually, uh, we'll, we'll give you a chance to plug that album, but uh, we do want to play one last track. This is Bravissimo. The, I don't know, is this the staff roll, the credits? The... Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I that song that was I was just telling Ian about this that this I didn't know it. I had to write that song. <laughs> that was like I was literally gonna fly out. I had a flight at four thirty in the morning. It was ten at night, nine and uh, eleven at night. I was saying goodbye to everybody, and somebody goes, "Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you're not done." <laughs> what? Because I had wait, my wait, track you're getting list. some sleep. You're going home. I don't think you're so. Like, what? You can't leave. <laughs> and I, I said, I have everything. I checked everything off. I, I showed them my sheet. They're like, oh. Oops. Well, nobody added the credits roll on this sheet for some reason. <laughs> oh, what? It's like that, that, that list that like the rest like kind of strings down and like, yeah. you got like 10 yeah. more things kind of accordion style. It freaked me out because I had a flight out and I had been there for months at that point. Um, I'm like, I'm making this plane. So I just reset my, my rack up and got my controller out. And I'm like, all right, all right, what are we doing here? And then they're showing me the credit roll and I just thought it should be festive. I was feeling festive. I'm like, I'm out of here. This is a done deal. You know, it's a long like your year of work. So that's what that song is. It's like me just jamming, you know, <laughs> trying to be happy and festive, you know. All right. Well, let's take a listen. This is Bravissimo.
that was Bravissimo, composed by Dan Hess for Pilot Wing 64. And I honestly, this whole soundtrack has just got such a relaxed and awesome vibe. I mean, you may not be a Japanese composer, but you stand up with the best of them. You know, I've, I've loved the soundtrack. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> you know, Dan, finding out that you're from Detroit was like when people found out Steely Dan wasn't from England. <laughs> uh, was that a thing that they were, they thought they were from England? I don't know. Yeah, a few people have been like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, look at these guys. They gotta be from London. I'm like, nah, man, mm. that's that's all New York. No, New York, dude. <laughs> they transplanted to L.A. in the 70s. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Really? That's so, good stuff. To wrap up here, we covered Pilot Wing 64 and the N64, composed by Dan Hess. And uh, if you want to know more about the show, you can find us online at pixelatedaudio.com for our show notes and the track list. We're on Twitter and Discord. Make sure you don't join the Discord. There's a lot of good conversations. Uh, a lot of the questions we heard today were from um, our, our friends and fans on Discord. Very cool. Yeah, and if you're new to the show, make sure to check out some of our past episodes. We, uh, as you know, folks who are avid listeners, we have a lot of interviews. In fact, the last two episodes before this had composer interviews on as well. It's just something we really love to do, and we're really glad we were able to bring Dan on. Uh, honestly, this came together pretty quickly, but <laughs> you know, like it's turned days. out to a great show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, oh, also, you know, I want to give Ian a chance to say because we're going to be ending the the show here on his track. So, Ian, tell us a little bit about your your projects, your thing, Birdman. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, at first I want to say big shout out to Dan for being here and for asking me to, to be along on this and to Brian and Gene with Pixelated Audio. Um, join the Discord, everybody. I'm in like 50 servers. It's only <laughs> one of three that I actively check. <laughs> so I got some good people in there. Um, yeah, I have an album coming. It nope, is out. album is out. <laughs> yeah, hey, my album's out. It came out Friday, December 10th. It's called Exceptional Goblins. It's 12 ripping chilling jamming tracks of video game music rearrangements yeah, man. um and one reviewer said that it hits a vibe of being drunk in the 90s watching the weather channel and that's me who said that's that that's gene <laughs> J-Ban, he said that and uh yeah it's got a it's got a rearrangement um not a rearrangement it's a homage a straight up cover of dan's Birdman's, and uh Call it Cacabra. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> I love your "Welcome to the Green Garden" track on that. That is just amazing. Thank you. I Sweet I appreciate track. that. I gotta say, the one I'm I'm excited for everyone now that they can, they can digest it is to listen to uh, "Chimpin' Ain't Easy." Chimpin' Ain't Easy. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> great title too. So many great titles. That that yeah. I I can't say enough good things about Ian's album. Uh, I think. When this airs, he'll have already done a live stream. Uh, we're recording now before it happens, but it will be up, and I will be there, uh, essentially giving everybody a round of high fives. When for some <laughs> yeah. reason, whenever I think about this album, I there's Ian. You posted a something on I think it was on Facebook like years ago, but it's like you wearing like short jean shorts or something. <laughs> <laughs> and he, call, he was like, "Today's like a like a jorts day," and and I think like, "Wow, that <laughs> that goes with this album for me." Like, it just works. Oh yeah. Hey man, you know uh, I I really am all about jorts. I think they're great, and you can tell when I film music videos too. Because if I'm wearing jorts, it's up through August. <laughs> Honestly, when you threw on that Link costume for your Zelda track, it, I wasn't even phased. I'm like, it's just Ian, and he just had in the closet somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, man, I got I got a whole pile of costumes here. The kids think it's natural. Like, he took my Yoshi hat. I'm like, first of all, it's my Yoshi hat. We're making the money back. The Yoshi right? kids yeah, go to no their way. friend's house and they're like, "So where's your dad's costumes?" They're like, "Oh yeah, that's not normal. That's not." 
dude, but do you do, do you have the toad hat? Because the to- not that's, yet. That's we got to get the toad right hat. There. That's the thing. If I'm if I do an arrangement, if I want to make a video, I got to start a couple weeks out. Like, all right, what can I Amazon Prime that looks passable enough? I can't. We don't spend above fifty dollars on a costume. We don't have time for that. <laughs> property taxes. <laughs> uh, awesome. Hey, well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was oh, guys, it was great having what a you. Blast. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And on that note, let's take a listen to this fabulous arrangement by Ian called Cacabra. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> we'll see everybody uh, back in a few weeks for the next episode.
Wait, we got to start. We got to start recording, guys. I know. Guys. I know. <laughs> well, we, are, we are recording. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right. You ready? Ooh, nice. I'm ready. <laughs> Bring him that. All right.